You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. My first concert uh, was Rat with uh, Kix and Britney Fox opened. Um, I was nine years old, and that was and uh, that was one that the older sister took me to. You know, um, I guess I've always been a, a kind of an asshole because I wore a Metallica shirt because I was like, this is like the real shit. Fuck these like wimps. That's like how I felt going to my first concert as a nine year old. Uh, Kicks opened, and I remember, dude, again, I'm nine, uh, and I was like, this, this band sucks. And Britney Fox is kind of the same deal. Um, then Rat were like, all right, I love Rat now. I've grown to appreciate it, but yeah, when I was a kid, it just like wasn't hardcore enough for me or something. But Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you've been having a glorious week. I hope that you were with us last night at the live interview Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. If you weren't, you should have been because it was a fucking blast. Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that, you will help other people just like yourself discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. When someone is looking for a new podcast to invest their time in, they act just like us when we're trying to buy something from the internet. What do we do? We scroll down, we read the comments, we read the reviews. We want to see if this product is worth our time. It's the exact same thing with a podcast. Before someone invests their very precious time into a podcast, they want to read the reviews. And if the reviews are favorable, then they'll most likely click on it and listen to it. So you could be the one that helps sway someone into becoming a brand new Vox and Hops head. And that is something that I would truly appreciate. Now on today's episode, I'm with Rick Giordano of The Lion's Daughter. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 260. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Rick Giordano of The Lion's Daughter. Uh, how you doing, Rick? I'm very, very stoked to be with you. I'm um, well, man. I'm happy to be here. Let's uh, start with a shitty question so we could have fun later. Okay. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us of 2020? Um, oh, God, I guess the best that I, I could have. Um, I went off the... I don't know how much of my therapist you want to be right now, but uh, I went off the rails real hard at first. Um, you know, just drinking every day and eating like crap and a relationship falling apart and just, you know, just binge watching garbage TV and sleeping all day. And then I decided uh, I'd had enough of that. So I went hard the opposite direction and started eating really well, put a built a like a, a little gym in my garage, started getting up early, started being productive with new projects. Um, so kind of pulled a 180. So I've, I've, I've coped with it pretty well, but I'm... Uh, this is about as long as I can pretend and like keep this keep keep up this facade of like doing well. So I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> and and you know it's hard for us being musicians staying in one place when we're not used to it, uh, having to, you know, some a lot of us, you know, for myself, have to continually go to a day job as opposed to having that little reprieve of going on tour and then coming back and you know you always want something that you don't have right so when i'm on tour i want to be home 
And when I'm at home, I want to be on tour and I've been home for quite some time and that's the same for you. So it's normal to, to feel a bit stir crazy. Yeah. It was a lot of fun at first because I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, a lot of people that are in metal bands don't, but I don't love people and being around people that much. So at first it was like, shit, all I have to do is like drink beer and barbecue every day. I, I can, I can do this forever. <laughs> Watch all the stupid old fucking horror movies on, on Amazon that I've never seen. Like, this is going to be great. And by month number three, I'm like, I just want, I just want a hug. I just want to touch another person, <laughs> or, you know, but it seems like we're, we're coming out of it. I got my uh, first um, vaccination shot yesterday. So nice. hopefully fairly soon, some, some things will be returning to normal, at least seeing friends indoors and things like that. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that summer is uh, somewhat more close to a normal summer that that's my, my big hope right now. I feel like it will be. No, no, I, I feel like it will be. I, 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 well, I have also have hope because I have, I have to have hope. It's the only <laughs> way I'm going to get, keep going. So it keeps us smiling, Rick. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you smile, it tricks the brain into thinking. It sure happy, does. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What beer are we going to virtually share today, Rick? Okay, so I've actually got something kind of special. Um, this is Midnight Animal, which um, a brewery here called Forehands made for us, the lion's daughter. Um, no way. Yeah. This is the last can of it that I have. Um, and it's from, I think July, 2018. Okay. I wasn't sure. I, I know, you know, wine, it's better old, but sometimes beer isn't, but I've also drank like old pull tan tab, uh, cans out of like friends, dad's garages and, you know, things like that and, and survive. So I think I'll be okay. So this is that it's a, it's a brown with coffee. It's right? a coffee brown. Yeah. It's basically there. They have one called, um, cast iron oatmeal brown. And it's basically just that with, with coffee added to it. Um, so what's the ABV on that? I think it's around six. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If it tastes funky, you can go up to the other one. Yeah. 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 Because the other one I have is uh, a Four Hands Warhammer Imperial IPA, which is not six. Uh, Ten? <laughs> Something like that. This shit's pretty. It's not, It's only nine percent, but it's pretty lethal. I mean, it's called Warhammer for a reason. But and if all it. else fails, it. I have a whole bottle of tequila. Just, just in case. <laughs> just in case we need it. <laughs> the emergency model. I love it. <laughs> For myself, I will be drinking uh, Ikare from, uh, it's actually a really cool collab, celebrating Brasserie Gallicus's second anniversary. They teamed up with six different breweries for unique brews. This one is with Pub Brewski, which was one of Montreal's most hyped, coolest breweries right in downtown of the old port of Montreal. I love them to death. This is a triple IPA with Stratus, Nelson Sauvain, and El Dorado. This one clocks in at a whopping 10.5% ABV. Uh, super cool and happy, happy birthday anniversary to Vasily Gatikus. Very stoked I got my hands on this. So how's that? How's that coffee brown? It smells great. So let's see. Cheers. Step one. All right. It might be a little off. I can't tell for sure. I'd have to, I'd have to taste it, but, but it too, I, when you were saying July, I thought you were going to say July of 2020. I'm like, oh, that's fine. But pushing three years, I don't know. Something's a little off. Something <laughs> something in my mouth is telling my brain don't don't have that <laughs> don't put that in you, um, so I could just chug all thirty two ounces of it and see how that goes or or maybe I'll switch to this warhammer actually let's switch to the warm hour uh, nope that's wrong yep it it is your beer which is cool though yeah it is and now I I I can display that can on my uh, uh, shelf instead of having it in the back of my fridge. 
So we're going to go yeah. with the Warhammer. Well, you've kept it cold, too. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? It's maybe come out a time or two, which probably doesn't help <laughs> things very much. But was that was that like the decision? Like I'm going to drink you tonight, and then finally your brain says, "No, you have to wait. You have to wait." I <laughs> <laughs> oh, will do the the Warhammer. Ooh, it smells hoppy, delicious. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. That'll do the trick. Oh, this is good. This is creamy. That Nelson comes through. I love Nelson. Strata too. Mm, love it. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your first beer. Talk about those pull tabs in your dad's friend's dad's garage. Uh, what was your <laughs> first first beer, Rick? Uh, my very first beer, I think, was um, when I was a, a kid. I've got a sister who's about ten years older, so she introduced me to every great uh, slash terrible thing in life. <laughs> um, but I think she told me when I, you know it was just a Tuesday night at home, and I was probably like seven or eight years old or something, and my dad drank Bush beer. And, mm-hmm. uh, she told me like, Oh, just go grab one and bring and bring it in here. And like, we'll drink it. And I was like, okay, well you're older than me and you make the rules. So I'll do that. So I grabbed a bush and I, I probably got halfway through it. I didn't think it was that bad. And then I got busted and my parents weren't <laughs> even mad. They just thought it was, they just thought I was a fucking idiot is what they thought. And they were kind of correct, but I guess that was the first real <laughs> beer I had until later as a teenager, I was into like, LSD and shit like that. And I always thought that beer was for jocks because in my high school, it kind of was. Uh, and the skateboarder kids and, you know, we, we we fought with those guys all the time, so we didn't drink at all. But uh, the first stuff I did drink was Meisterbrow when that was around because mm. it was, I think, four bucks for like a 12 pack back in the day. Wow. So if you could come up with two bucks and your friend had two bucks and you could find somebody that was over 21, you could get stupid. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I think they don't make Meister Brown anymore. I don't think they have. For I've a never, while. I've never come across that. Okay, it's the beer. If you watch Christmas Vacation, it's the beer that Cousin Eddie uh, drinks. Uh, so you know it's good. <laughs> the price point makes sense, right? Right. <laughs> How about that first craft beer experience? Uh, I'm not totally sure because I think the any first craft beers I ever had, I, I, I didn't like. I mean, I think the first IPAs I ever had, I just thought were gross. You know, um, it, and it was probably only. Only a few years ago, it was probably through these four hands guys who are locals and we, we always work with them with band stuff. Um, they will just be like, hey, you guys are going on tour. Here's some cases of beer. Like we love the band, love supporting you. Um, so, uh, you know, having like a nap beer became a thing on long drives after a while. Like, OK, I'll just crush one of these IPAs and I'll just keel over in the van. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what got me into those um but yeah it wasn't i mean it wasn't it was years of drinking just cheap beer and then then i finally just just moved on to just you know whiskey and tequila and stuff uh before i really tried any any craft stuff which is weird because i've worked in bars for years also and i've just never you know i've just never bothered but i've grown to appreciate it lately awesome awesome let's uh move back uh the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to? I imagine it's that ten year old sister ten year older sister once again that had to control of the radio. Uh she did, but it was it was cool that she did. Um because well what was actually what was cooler was when her boyfriends took control. Um but you know, my, my dad is a classic rock guy. Um so I remember really early on being fascinated with Alice Cooper. I thought Alice Cooper was the, the coolest thing and 
you know, mm-hmm. and back then you couldn't just like queue up videos of Alice Cooper or whatever. He would, my dad would tell me stories like I saw him live and then he was caught in a spider web and then they cut his head off and all this shit. I'm just like, they really do that? This guy's, cr-, you know, uh, he was just like a horror villain to me. And I, and, and I thought the, the, the records jammed too. Um, so there's some of that stuff, but my mom really liked like Roy Orbison and, and Elvis and Everly Brothers and stuff like that, which, which I still love. Um, but yeah, older sister was like Motley Crue. And then sister's boyfriends were like, no, 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 check this out. This band's called Venom, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's where it all ramped up from, from there. But so for, for the most part, you know, good music was always around the house. I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast. Uh, I was babysat by a young age by a young, lovely lady and her son, Timmy, had a poster of Alice Cooper in his room. I was young. I must have been under four. And I vividly remember being terrified of this poster, but super, <laughs> super intrigued at the same time. And it was just his face with the the makeup and, and just super, super interested in what the hell this was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I equated him with, um, with Jason and Friday the 13th because oh, yeah. I was at the age where, um, you know, part six came out when I was like six or seven years old. And it's a great song. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, and maybe one of the weird reasons that my band utilizes synthesizers and stuff now too is because mm-hmm. of that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just knew him as like, he's that guy that's friends with Jason, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool and scary at the same right. time. <laughs> Let's talk about your first music experiences, going to see a show. Uh, what would be the first band that you ever saw? My first concert, uh, was rat. I saw rat. Really? Um, yeah, with uh, Kicks and Britney Fox opened. Um, really? I was nine years old, and that was and uh, that was one that the older sister took me to. You know, um, and uh, you know, I was, I was, I guess I've always been a, a kind of an asshole because I wore a Metallica <laughs> shirt because I was like, this is like the real shit. Fuck these like wimps. That's like how I felt going to my first concert as a nine year old. You know, um, an elitist, elitist from the beginning. Okay, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> kicks opened. And I remember, dude, again, I'm nine. Uh, and I was like, this, this band sucks. <laughs> and Britney Fox is kind of the same deal. Um, then rat were like, all right, I love rat now. I've grown to appreciate it. But yeah, when I was a kid, it just like wasn't hardcore enough for me or something. But how about your first time on stage? Do you remember your first show? Um, yeah, it wasn't a stage, which is probably the, the case with a lot of people. But um, absolutely, I had my first band was called Necro Creep, and uh, and again, it's funny because it's not, it's really not that different than the Lion's Daughter. It was just, it was like Misfits Worship mixed with like integrity and like hardcore bands, you know. Mm. Um, I think we called it Horrorcore. We were very clever, but um, <laughs> we played a Halloween party. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. And it was super fun. And we, we opened and closed with a cover of misfits Halloween, which <laughs> don't do that, but we didn't know, you know, we didn't even break it up into like Halloween one and Halloween two. We just did the same thing twice. And we're like, it'll be awesome to like close with it too. It, and it wasn't, but it was fun. It's a good time. Did, did, did you play it better the first or second time? The first time. Yeah. I, I, I saw a, a video of it. And the second time, <laughs> the second time it took us a while to start because I wouldn't start the song because I was mad that people weren't coming up to sing along. Like, no, get up here, get up here, or we're not even going to play it. And everybody's just like, we don't give a shit. We want to go we, back we upstairs. Don't want, we, don't, we don't want you <laughs> yeah, to play it. Yeah, remember? Remember 30 <laughs> minutes ago when you already played it? Uh, so when we played it the second time, I think our drummer was tired too, so we just played like the slower version of it. 
No, we, we have to do those things to learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When well, you're head, you're like, all right, the last time I tell everybody like, this mic is your mic and people are going to go nuts and they're going to be pylons and what, but really it's just like an awkward teenage party and people just want you to stop playing so they can go try to get laid or find a joint or whatever they want to do. <laughs> We're not playing until blah, blah, blah. That's always a bad decision. Never do that. Yeah. People never, never do that ever. Never. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this new record skin show. It came out April 9th on season of mist. Um, pandemic release. How much, uh, you know, when you, when you were putting this all together, this was recorded throughout the pandemic. Uh, did you imagine that you'd be releasing it during a pandemic? What is your whole thought process of a pandemic release? Well, I didn't really think, I don't know, I didn't consider the pandemic too much at all when, when writing or recording or thinking about releasing it, really. Um, if anything, it had an effect on the way it was written because I kind of thought of it as like, I don't have to worry about playing this stuff live right away. I don't have to figure out like, oh, can I easily play these guitar parts and sing at the same time? Or how many guitar parts are there? Do we need another guitar player live? Do we need an actual synth player live? Or can our drummer just sample stuff like we need to? Like the the piecing it together part didn't matter. And now that we're uh, we're we're doing live stream stuff now, now it's a pain in the ass and it matters and we're having to, <laughs> to, to figure it out. But the the writing process we did a little different just because we didn't all want to just get together in a small practice space and jam it out. So I wrote everything at home and um, then would just kind of send it to those guys. And really the first time I heard it with like, you know, Eric's drums and then some, you know, Scott's vocals and bass and all that stuff was, you know, in the studio, just kind of putting the, the pieces together. But I think it... It's, to me, it made for better songwriting because I was yeah. just I was more of an active listener when creating the stuff rather than thinking like this riff's only fun to play four times. I'm bored. Let's switch it up to this riff. Let's have this kind of part because, you know, the, the way that you perceive the song while you're performing it versus the way that you perceive it if you're sitting back and just like listening to what you what you're creating, you know. Absolutely. So I think it made for stronger songwriting and I'll probably just continue to do it that that way now. So. You know, that's a, a golden lining, silver lining yeah. of the pandemic right there. Learning, learning a new way to compose a yeah. record. That's, that's, that's the first and only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, how different was that? You know, being isolated, focusing. Where before, was it a lot of collaboration? When you came to riff writing, uh, structures of the song, uh, how, how different was that being, you know, versus being in the jam room and doing it or doing it solo by yourself? Uh, it was, yeah, it was completely different because we used to do the thing, like definitely our first, our first release was Season of Mist, um, Existence is Horror. That, that was, that whole thing was written in the room together with no, you know, every once in a while I might've had a riff ahead of time, but it was really just kind of like, all right, what sounds good when we play it? What feels right? You know, and kind of writing that way, which meant, you know, I think we scrapped over 10 songs before we settled on, you know, an album's worth because you know, yeah. you're just experimenting. You're like, okay, I think this feels good. And then a month later, you're like, that song sucks. That doesn't work. You know, it just, <laughs> it was, it was tedious and, and wasteful, uh, working that way for, for us. Um, and especially w with the future cult record, which was the last one where we introduced the synthesizer stuff. You couldn't really write that way because I would do the synth stuff and then, you know, and then we trigger it and sample it later when we're playing live. So I couldn't do two things at once. Um, so it just it forced us to write a little 
differently and have things be a little more pre-planned. And again, I just preferred that. And I think there was, there was just like less, we had less leftover crap in, in the end, you know, uh, where I think it's also like if you're, if you're coming with like a riff, you know, or like an idea and you're in a group of people just like looking at their faces can change how you feel about the riff. Oh, for sure. As, <laughs> or just like the bass players in a bad mood. And yeah, sir, I, yep. yeah, sorry, Scott, I called you out because you're the one that's always in a fucking bad mood. Uh, the, uh, the bass players in a bad mood that day. So you think the song sucks or you think your mm-hmm. idea is bad or you think that lyric that, or title you came up with is stupid. But really, he just pulled a double at work and is fighting with his girlfriend you know, or whatever else, you know. Um, so as, oppo- as opposed to just you completing an idea and sending it and then he has time to reflect upon it and answer via words and let alone just like uh, speaking it to you he texts you oh, right I like the sets of sick rift you know right right so there's not all that context is gone yeah and the and the jamming in a room thing it's also like you have to all right we're practicing wednesday at two see you then no matter what mood you're in no matter how you slept no yeah. matter how creative you're feeling that's the time where if you're just doing shit at home, it could be, you know, it's Saturday night. Uh, I've been drinking all damn day and I, f- <laughs> I feel like making a sexy little piano part and like, hey, that's cool. And the next morning it still sounds cool. All right. Well, let's see if, what we can do with this. You know, you can you can be a little more, you know, outside of a, a, a schedule that I way. About it, but it has to pass the sober test. Oh, yeah. If, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We're pretty good about that. We're not like. Like I've I've filled in in like other people's bands and stuff before where they like get hammered at practice and it's just mm. like we've never we've never done that like we could do it afterwards sure but we're we're here man let's like not not fuck around you know it's it's work it, it's you got to take your take it seriously there's a lot of fun that can be had but at the beginning you got to be sharp yeah if you're not taking it seriously you can't ask other people to you know absolutely. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. You talked about live streams. Uh, how is this something that you were looking forward to? Something you think you know, was mandatory because you can't tour this? Or is it something that you're excited to do? Um, no, I don't think I was looking forward to it and I don't think I'm excited about it. Um, I, I, I like the live show because it's kind of like, you know, besides some, some cell phone videos that might linger, uh, if he's eternal. Yeah. 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 Cause if you fuck something up at a normal show, it's like, okay, I, I missed that note or my voice cracked or something, but eh, maybe it won't at the next show where some stream that's going to live forever. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, it's like doing an album live or something, mm-hmm. which you would never do. Um, 
So it's it's less fun in that way that you really have to focus on getting it right versus just like feeling it and also not having an audience there in front of you and you know band maybe bands you know to watch the warm up bands or the bands that are going to play after you that you're excited about or whatever it's a really it different creates, experience it's like a whole mood there's no mood right it's like right. perform yeah yeah um so i, I you know it's obviously a, a necessary evil right now i guess i won't even call it an evil it's just a, if you, if you want to <laughs> create some kind of content and put things out there and you know have have pieces to accompany your your record and your band and what whatever like this is a way to do it and we found some like cool ways to do it like the the big one that uh that we're doing will be insane um it may, i don't know when this is coming out so i don't know if it'll air or not uh, uh by by then but um the the lighting rig and the setup for it is beyond my comprehension and the guy that i think this guy jerry dentleman who is i think the best lighting guy in st louis He's got all this stuff from a company, I think, called Chauvet, uh, that is literally not even out yet. Uh, like, it's not, Ooh, it's not cool. even released yet. And he's flipping out, and he's like, this is going to be the most insane light things I've ever done. And he's the guy Excellent. that does lights for uh, the big um, Pink Floyd tribute band here. Wow. So I imagine it's going to be pretty cool looking. So I just got to hit the notes right and have my voice not crack, you know? You have to, yeah. It, it, you can't just put out you guys standing in a room it has to be an experience right right um especially if you're asking people to pay for it uh i mm-hmm. I, I, I think you want to give them you want to give them quality if it was a band i really liked and wanted to support and i paid 10 bucks or whatever and it was like a shaky camera in a in a poorly lit room and it sounded bad i would probably be like you know what fuck that band i'm not actually even going to see them when they can play live <laughs> again now so <laughs> trying to do it right if you could play live and you could pick the perfect tour package for skin show to, 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 you know, demonstrate this new era of the lion's daughter, what, what, what bands would be on that package? Well, right away, I think goblin because we had a tour booked with goblin in, um, I think it was late 2019. The whole thing was announced. It's booked. We had a, a month with goblin, one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, pr- pretty much the tar- if I could think of a target audience to try to play to with the shit that we do, it would be them. Super stoked. One of the guys uh, came down, had some health issues. So the tour mm-hmm. got rescheduled for July of 2020. So it never even got announced. Uh, and then it got rescheduled again a little later in 2020. And again, never got announced because, you know, things didn't just clear up the way that they were supposed to. Okay. Yeah, but uh, God, I would just I would love to see that band every every night. I could, I would, I would have, I've I've tra- I've gone to both. I've seen them in St. Louis. I've gone to Chicago, and I've flown to Vegas to to see Goblin. So I'm a huge fan. So it would be it would be like like that's like dream tour shit. Um, besides them, like Ministry would would be oh, another yeah. one that would be super great. And I think like that would be a crowd that would that would get what we were doing. And be able to appreciate it. Um, there are a lot of bands. I would love to uh, uh, that band Zombie. I would love to do stuff with them. Think, think I love them. They're super great. Um, yeah, and then anything that are like 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 tours with friends are always fun as well, you know. But but um, yeah, those are the big ones that 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 come to mind. That kind of stuff. I do remember Goblin was supposed to come through Montreal. Yeah, I remember that. I think that was the very first date of that tour. Actually, I think it was. It was at Foof's. Okay, yeah. 
I totally remember that. Yeah. And I was totally going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been fun. <laughs> uh, I'm very lucky I get to have these conversations with uh, musicians and leading up to the chats. I get that little bit of anxiety. Am I prepared enough? Am I ready for this? Is the person going to connect? Are they cool? I get that little anticipation the same thing that would happen before i'd step onto a stage so how this is how i fill the void of playing live how have you been filling the void of playing live oh man i don't know if i it's a good question because i don't know that i have and i really miss it like it's 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 you know it's again it's one of those things like uh, um if somebody doesn't hug you for a couple months or something you're like hey something's wrong like what is it and you really I need a hug. Oh, you know, emotional little being. It's kind of the same shit with, um, with the stage. Like I, I need a bunch of people looking at me and me acting like a fool in front of them, whether they like it or not, like is irrelevant, (laughs) but I need that attention. So I guess the one way that I've, I've, so this is giving me the burps. Um, yeah, that happens. Yeah. We're uh, going to play Halloween again. <laughs> right. <laughs> or we're, you're going to sing along or we're out of here. Um, <laughs> no, we, uh, um, we, uh, I started a really stupid podcast with, with a friend of mine that it's almost not even worth like, like plugging because it's so separate from my band stuff. And I'm, I don't know. The, the, the podcast is way more silly where obviously the band, I'm supposed to be like a, like a dark, serious person or something. But, uh, me and my friend Ben Schulte started a podcast that we call, um, your French fries are drowning. That is about us watching. <laughs> we just, we watch action movies and we either discuss ones after we watched them or we sit and we just watch something and let the mics roll and do a full drunk commentary. And it's basically just a way to do what we do what we like doing, which is drinking and watching like stupid action movies and also feeling productive. But then if people actually listen to it as well and are like, hey, man, that was a funny episode like that fills a little bit of that void that not being on stage, you know, uh, uh, maybe left behind. So I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. That's something. That's something to do. As soon as shit goes back to normal, I'm sure we, he and I both just got vaccinated. So I'm sure once the thrill is gone of, you know, the danger of like, we shouldn't be together watching movies, you know, <laughs> we might, we might lose interest, but it's something for now. Um, <laughs> I want to talk, you, you had a beer already. So, so I didn't know that. So I want to talk about how that happened with four hands. Uh, talk to me about how that, that, that brown ale with coffee came to life. Uh, so uh, it's a little hard to remember now. Uh, Four Hands has been around for quite a while in St. Louis. They're definitely, um, in my opinion, they, I don't think you think it's a matter of opinion. Just It's fact that they're the best brewery in St. Louis. Uh, everything they put out, I think, is, is amazing. No diss to any other breweries, but I think their stuff's amazing. Um, and I don't know if we approached them or they approached us because we've we've kind of worked hand in hand, especially like, like, uh, my, I, I work in a music venue that you've played. Um, uh, I saw it at, uh, the ready room in St. Louis on. The, yes. Was it summer slaughter? I think it's the no, only time I ever went through. I think it was, um, oh, I'm gonna feel stupid if I'm wrong, but I think it was, was that the tour with, um, midnight and obituary and. Oh, it was abysmal dawn. Okay. Yes. I know that. I remember that club. I totally remember that. Okay. Club. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, uh, oh, also, Cannibal corpse. uh, two years later. Hey, great show. Uh, 
but <laughs> that was a good night. That was a good night. Was that the Cannibal Corpse tour? Is that what it was? It was Cannibal Corpse oh, Obituary, okay. Cryptopsy, Abysmal Dawn. That's right. I know it was a good night because I got in a huge fight with one of my coworkers that night because I got drunk <laughs> behind the bar and just disappeared to watch the show. Worth it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so having, having worked, uh, you know, in a, in a music venue and behind the bar there, I kind of had a relationship with these guys. And like I said, they would they would throw beer at us or they were like really great at uh, sponsoring local shows and, and stuff like that. Like they're really, really great with all that kind of stuff. Um, so there was the, the yeah, the talk kind of came up to do a beer. And at first I wanted this is was was when I was still like. Uh, you know, I don't have the most refined palate, but I didn't have any palate for beer at the time, really. So my idea was like, let's do a like a ghost chili beer. Let's do some beer that's like painfully hot to drink and, and you know, metal. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, let's see. Uh, and I think it came through like kicking names around. And on the future cult record, there's a song called Call Night Call the Midnight Animal. And I was like, dude, Midnight Animal is like a pretty good name for a beer. Like, what kind of beer would that be? Well, like, oh, we would have coffee in it. Coffee brown. Like, that makes perfect sense. So a guy named Jason Spencer, who goes by Killer Napkins, who's like a local guy that does murals. He did this artwork that is super, super cool. It is nice. Um, And, yeah, they just did like a limited run of... um, of kegs that were, you know, at a few select places and then canned some stuff. Um, and that was around like 2018. And I think in, I think there was another like show that we did. I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but th- they brought it back for that. And then we were supposed to do a show uh, called Clash of the Dickheads that was going to be last April. That was us, Fister, Hell Knight. And then we falso- fl- falsely billed Alice in Chains doing like a play on uh, Clash of the Titans. Um, but they were going to bring it back for that. And then of course, you know, an April concert didn't, didn't happen, but, uh, I imagine it'll, it'll resurface again one day soon. And I hope it does. Cause it's really good when it's not almost three years old. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Uh, it probably never happens to you, but it probably did on those days when things were too much and you were enjoying a bit too much for hands brews early in the pandemic before you shaped up and got that home gym and started eating, <laughs> eating right. Uh, what is your hangover cure? Oh man. Um, I wish I had one. Um, the only thing I found that, that really seems to work, uh, is like a bloody Mary, but it's, a, it's a terrible idea. Cause you don't get, you don't get normal. You just kind of, you start getting drunk again and you think you feel like better, but really you're kind of buzzed and you just want to keep going. Um, so I don't, I don't know, man. I already will like, I drink a lot of water every day anyway. I'll try to drink a lot of water before going to, to sleep. If I've, you know, if I've had a few, I'll drink a ton of water the next. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't have a good cure, which is unfortunate because I like drinking a lot. And I really, really, my hangovers come with like severe, like depression and nausea and like just very, very unpleasant. Um, so if you, if you know of a good one, I'm all, I'm definitely all yours. Um, you have to not drink too much. Is is the <laughs> moderation is the best hangover? I don't. I don't. I don't know what you're saying to me right now, but I'm not listening. But hydration. No, honestly, uh, I've I've had an. I did sober February. I had a nutritional science major. He has a a master's in it and a PhD in it. And hangovers is just severe dehydration. So you need to re re fill your body with with liquids and some minerals and then you'll be back 
in perfect shape in three days, he said. Oh, <laughs> I'll definitely be drunk again within that three days. So, <laughs> Rick, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about your life, music and craft beer. Everyone get ready for Skin Show. It came out April 9th via Seasons of Mist. I'm super stoked about it, and I'm super stoked I had a chance to chat with you, Rick. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, brother. Thanks, man. It's been great. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an epic chat I had with Rick. We really just clicked. Uh, one of those people that I know that when we hang out again, we shall have a good, good time. He was lots of fun. We had lots of laughs. I love the record. I love his creative process. I love how they changed their writing process for this album and that they might actually continue doing it that way. Uh, this pandemic has given us a bunch of weird hidden gifts and we have to embrace them and appreciate them. If not, we're going to go crazy. If you enjoyed this episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all of the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that past week. If I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, all of the information for any upcoming cool Vox and Hops projects that I have in the works as well as the updated links for the live interview Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs and the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. Do it, people. Sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list because I don't want you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I will be back next week with three episodes, but until then, I hope you have a glorious weekend, and I hope that you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smashmouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.